Let's start this week talking about iTunes and uh, and podcast and uh, Apple Music and and the what looks like to be the the beginning of the end for the iTunes monolithic app as we know it. Um, this this was the roots of this story. First, there was a Stephen uh, Chapman Smith tweet where he he said without sharing specific like how he found out about this that he believes that there will be not just the TV app that Apple showed at the March twenty fifth event, but also on the, on on Mac OS this fall. Um, a new uh, standalone music app and a podcast app. Um, and then 95 Mexico Rambo, uh, there was own independent reporting could verify that yes, that's true. That also be a redesigned books app to replace Apple books as we know it today. Um, so Mayo, what do you think about this story and, and uh, what, what's going on with it? Yeah. So in addition to obviously the news that these apps will exist, uh, Rambo actually has, icons of what the current like builds are for these for the tv and the podcast app so they're not mock-ups those two icons are actually in the story as presumably what they're going to go with too and they're you know they're, they're basically the icons from ios but in a circle not a random rectangle yeah it seems like apple's getting Chrome pretty money. heavy on the circle trend now with yeah. their mac apps yeah with like a uh, an, like a some some width around the edge of it to yeah like a know. border yeah yeah uh, and, and we've seen in from the event and one of the slides what the TV app will look like on the Mac, but not. I don't think we saw the icon from that. Um, so th- yeah. this is the first time we're seeing that icon. The podcast icon is like if that's what they showed, that's pretty predictable. It, it did leave me uh, curious. The we we don't know what the music app icon will look like. Presumably, it'll be like what I guess what we see now, which matches the music app on iOS, unless they change it. And kind of makes me think maybe they'll change it because if it's the iTunes icon and I- iTunes remains as the utility uh, and, and maybe like power user features, then there should be an icon for iTunes and an icon for music. And right now they're the same. And so, yeah, they can't keep them the same if they're going to keep iTunes around. And realistically, they're not going to drop iTunes in one go because yeah. this replacement app will definitely not support everything that iTunes supports today. It may even support a very, very small subset of the music features. It could even be the fact that this music app is like just an Apple Music client and doesn't work with downloading music at all. Like you to use it, you have to log in with your subscription, for instance. Like the iTunes app has has a very long heritage, and obviously everybody knows that it grew to support all sorts of different content types: iPhone syncing, iPod syncing, iPad syncing, up until iOS five. You'd have to software update your iOS devices by plugging into iTunes and downloading the update <laughs> through your computer, and yeah. all of that gumph. Books, audiobooks have you know slightly been extracted and moved around and juggled. And podcasts have there's a awkward podcast experience inside of all the iTunes UIs, like a separate yeah. tab. So the, everyone has been waiting for you know either a severely revamped iTunes or the death of iTunes and replacement with apps. And this you know predates the marzipan stuff by years like people have been asking for the itunes separation probably since like 2013 mm-hmm. and now it seems like we're finally going to get it and the way they're going to pull it off is to you know port the ios apps essentially and do marzipan wrapper versions yeah I, I, don't, Mac. 
I don't think that iTunes, the app, has had、uh, major changes since 2012. Like, I think that was the, when,、uh, the iPhone 5 era. And I think that、mm-hmm. was like, the last big iPod. It was like the last time the iPod Touch got stage time, I think, too. And there, was, there were new iPods. So before the iPods were discontinued, the Touch got like a silent update and a press release. But、um, I mean, since then, the biggest change in iTunes has been, and now there's Apple Music inside of it. And there's been like、um, changes to how. How things work, like they removed the whole ability, ability to manage apps, iOS apps and iTunes.、Um, so that was like slowly taking things out of it.、Um, they'd shuffle some things around and in some, some cases like make it harder to use. So there was a, a period where you could click to go to the different sections from a sidebar or toolbar and then they made like a drop down menu. So there's been a lot of changes to it, but not like improvements where it used to be like in the fall you'd have an iTunes.、Um, A new version of iTunes and they've had like point updates to it, but not like major new versions. I think we're stuck on 12.、Uh, and it seems to be like that'll be the last version of iTunes at least. And it'll go into maintenance mode. Like it's kind of been in for years anyway.、Um, and I can see that like、uh, what I expect from, from a music app on Mac based on Marzipan as we know it to, to be today.、Um, That would be the first time we see like a,、um, a media playing interface of a Marzipan app. So we don't know like how that will be different on the Mac than, than iPad, if at all.、Uh, like none, none of the apps that are Marzipan right now. So voice memos, stocks,、um, home and news are media players. They, they don't do that. But yeah, I mean,、um, news can play video, but it's just like a video player、yeah. inside the stories. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe we get like literally the, the, the sidebar top to bottom, right aligned, now playing screen that's like, Scaled up from the iPhone version, but you know, it's like the right aligned side, you know,、uh, version. Um, because、yeah, that's what the iPad does today, correct? Yeah, it has、yeah. the tabs on the left, and then on the right, you have the sidebar thing that you can show and dismiss, and it's,、yeah. it's just like a per- more permanent version of the pull up card that you can do、mm-hmm. on the iPhone interface. But, but whatever they do, I suspect that we also get a, a Big change to the iPad version of the music app.、Uh, and that's what comes to the, to,、um, the Mac. And, and that's what we saw with.、Um, so, news got sidebar for, for the. That, it was the first time the news got the sidebar, right? Was with the iPad redesign, which、yeah. was then the first Mac version.、Um, and then there was never a voice memos app or stocks app on the iPad, but then those were sidebar apps. And then home was like, there's no sidebar. Um, although it could probably benefit from something like that.、Uh, so, music, you can see them doing a sidebar. And, and what they do right now, they've got this like top left picker that's like a little pop up menu that you tap on. And you can pick from、uh, recently added or different versions of your library. So, artists, like all the things that used to be tabs, but then Apple Music made like for you and browse sections. So, then those all, all the things that used to be tabs become this like menu. And yeah, the, they're, they're, the, they're the navigation that you see on the library tab on the phone. Yeah,、like. and on the phone, you can see recently added in the same view as、uh, artists, songs, albums, et cetera. It's like one screen with, with like your choices to where you can go plus recently added. And on the iPad, it, it's kind of crazy that it's like you've got a tap to go between recently added to,、um, you know, to pick, to pick library. It's like actually more work. So I suspect that the iPad app. Gets a sidebar and like puts that in it, maybe like gets rid of the tab bar entirely, or like the tab bar stuff moves to the top of the screen instead.、Um, and that we get a whole new like version of the music app, but it could still be that there's no like computer specific features that like there was a long, like an iPad 2 era. I, I tried to use the iPad only and no Mac like back then before I needed a Mac for work. And it was iTunes, like things that you can only do on a, on, on a PC or Mac with iTunes that made me not want to like, 
okay, I've got downloaded music from the internet. I want to put that in my library. You can't do that on iOS. You still, you still can't do that. Um, and so it would, I think, I, I think it is possible that the music app that we get as a standalone Mac app for music, it works with your iCloud music library. So that's everything that you purchased on iTunes or uploaded from I, like iTunes, uh, you know, manually and did like iCloud music library, um, or, or iTunes match and it, it got in there somehow. <laughs> like if you can play it from a home pod, then it would appear in the music app, but that you wouldn't have the ability to introduce your own stuff to that, that app. You've got to, that, then that's like a power user feature. If you're not adding it from Apple music, then you need to go and use this, you know, classic utility to do that. Um, okay. So backstep one, one level. Sure. Does the Marzipan music app work with, is it useful to a customer that doesn't use Apple music? So if well, you just so if have you, your own you, offline music library, for instance, would it well, do it anything? it depends on where it came from. So if you, if you bought it on the iTunes store, then that's in, that's in iCloud Music Library. So then it's still useful for you. And I, I, I don't, and I think you'd get offline downloads just like you do on the iPad app. Like on the iPad app, you can download them offline and play yeah. them offline. Um, and you can buy, obviously. You can still you, buy some. The thing that you can't do on the iPad or iPhone for that matter is you purchase music from the Amazon Music Store. <laughs> There's an MP3 online. Or you you buy a um, a CD or a vinyl record and it comes with a digital download. Or you go to a concert or or like it's like a free release, you know, but it's from SoundCloud. Like you got to download the MP3. You can't bring those into the music app on iOS. And so I would imagine in the same case, you wouldn't be able to do that on the music app for the Mac. It's got to be bought on the iTunes Store, which is another app like on iOS. Or it, or you, you can't you can't do it like you can't import your own music unless you purchase it from Apple. Then it's available there. Or but if they could add importing feature, yeah, they as could. Like a, yeah, as like a both an iOS thirteen thing, like a new feature. Oh, if you get music from elsewhere, you import it, and obviously that then translates to the Mac app as well. You can just drag and drop it in, and it wouldn't store it on like a folder structure because obviously the current iTunes, if you don't use Apple Music, it like manages this iTunes media folder on your on your drive and you can go in and it's just a massive folder structure that wouldn't be there anymore in this you know marzipan world it would just be you know a silent container essentially that you can't access but you yeah, could even drag if and drop. you do apple music you still get that whole folder with it's like this big xml file too it's like that's that's what it reads your library of and you have like multiple libraries if you really want to but um there's a couple of things too that would really improve i did a post today that that was like visuals that you can go and see of like how would this be different if, if the music can't replace itunes and one thing is um Apple Music playlists that you add from Apple Music the service look really good in the playlist view on the iPad and on the on the Mac they're like <laughs> they're, they're text they're they're just the text labels in a sidebar without the visual artwork unless you like click on each one um, and so that alone is like oh you know like that's a big change and that makes the Apple Music experience on the Mac way better. Um, Especially as they're now paying all these artists to make custom artwork for all these Apple Music playlists. Yeah, like you can go and look at the story and like see what I'm talking about. It gets hard to describe, but like it's it's a it's a dramatic difference. Um, but then there are also like lots of changes uh, features on on iTunes that could have been added to iOS version one through thir- you know twelve so far, and maybe they'll come to iOS thirteen. Maybe they won't. And, and and if this is your music player on the Mac, then you lose those features, like simple things like crossfading songs. You know, that's 
common in playing music is like you put together a playlist. It is in an album. It's you put it, you made it yourself, and you want the songs to like cross over. So you've got like continuous, you know, playback. Um, on the on iTunes, you have an option of on or off, and one through twelve seconds. And on iOS, you don't get that in the music app. So if this is like that, then you won't have that anymore. Um, and then there's like things like the iTunes visualizer. There's no way they're gonna put that <laughs> on iOS or care about it enough for the music app. Um, and it's kind of funny in the visualizer, just like, you know, it's like a graphic light show basically for your Mac. There's iTunes visualizer and then there's classic visualizer. <laughs> they're both, <laughs> at this point, they're both classic really, you know, for being honest. Um, but things like, um, command I to like see metadata about the track that you can edit yourself or even like file type information, like the sample rate, the play count, like that's, I don't know that they're going to do that on, on a music no, that, app. For that is app. like the Dodo era stuff. That yeah. I, I don't gone. know that we'll see that. Um, Here's something that's kind of in between that is, say if you're on iTunes on the Mac and you're looking at your music and you've got albums open, mm-hmm. the albums tab open, you can view that as a grid. Yeah. Or you can go into a list mode and it will show you the songs directly in that view grouped by the album. So you don't have to like open each album individually. Yeah. So those view options are available on the Mac iTunes, but in like iPad music or iPhone music, there aren't though, though because it's a much simpler app, those kind of controls aren't there. So you go into album view on the iPad and all you get is like the album artwork and you have to tap into yeah. each one individually. Now that's something where clearly when you're on a desktop, you know, you might want the extra f- flexibility to see by song. And also they can have smaller rows because it doesn't have, to have touch targets. Before iOS seven, <laughs> the iPad music app was really good. Like it was yeah designed pixel by pixel and it was like meant to be a really good jukebox experience and it was meant to be like as good as the mac app um you still didn't get like changing the metadata <laughs> like view and play console like that and you could see like you know them punting to something else like like shortcuts like maybe exposing that somehow to shortcuts i don't know but um yeah because like there were power of features of itunes is like the music jukebox app that mm-hmm. the ipad app and the iphone app are never going to get even in the good era of like ios 6 music yeah. you couldn't add custom rows to the list you know to like the song list because on on itunes on the mac you can like right click and you can add you know all the different properties like stars or play count or mm-hmm. you know composer as as you know a- additional rows that you could when you're scrolling down that you can see as you're scanning with your eye, and you can and even sort by those rows what directly. What the song come out, and that's not exposed on the on iOS, but it's like one of the defaults on on iTunes, and and that would be you know relevant to a playlist. Um, yeah, so the general kind of like view customization and like filters and layout stuff is that you know they're theoretically never going to come to the iPhone and probably not to the iPad. But well, with all of this, like every feature that that we discussed, that's going to be different if they just ship like what the features are today and then that's the music app on the Mac, like it wouldn't be bad for them to cut. Then once they do the initial port, then they, they beef up, you know, Mac music for Mac. And then that also is easy to apply to the iPad, you know, not worrying about the, the iPhone app being too complex, but it would benefit the iPad app. If the iPad app gets cross-fading songs, and then you're just going to the iPhone too, because like Spotify does that, it's simple. Um, I think iPods can do that. But uh, you know, if if the iPad app gets smart playlists where you can like set rules for what's included in its playlist and it updates live, like you know, th- there's lots of, and um, folders for playlists. Like that's that's an iTunes on the Mac feature, and they appear on iOS through iCloud Music Library. They sync. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't make one on an iPad. And if they like take all the steps, like what do we lose from iTunes? You know, that's not in the music app. 
slowly add them back like over the next few years, then the iPad app suddenly gets features that it, they never were planning for it. But because that's the same app on iPad and Mac, then, then it does get better. So I'm kind of, I feel like like the first year or two of this will be kind of rough and we'll heavily rely on iTunes for even like, like forget syncing your phone or iPod or whatever, but like, you know, just the music stuff, like pro, you know, features for, for music, you know, fans that will, will, because of this, we'll, we'll get those features to the iPad sooner than we would have before, if ever. So I'm optimistic about, and on, on the podcast side, (laughs) the podcast app, like nobody listens to podcasts on iTunes, like few, few do. I, I, I do. Uh, I used to use an app called Instacast that had a really good, app for every client at the time <laughs> and then that went away and i've used overcast for a while but there's no mac app there's like like gear rambo has a really good menu bar app for the web view that's pretty pretty good or you can use the website but like i like to use the apple podcast app for siri control and watch streaming not just syncing manually um home pod native integration apple tv app like there's the reasons i like it but uh, it's not good in itunes like there's no 15 or 30 second skip buttons if you do crossfade your music it also crossfades your podcast um it's it's not meant to be like in there <laughs> and so there's like no downsides to that unless you just want one app for all your media D- don't you have one issue with podcasts on your client where it just skips the last three minutes and stuff or- yes yeah <laughs> still well i i had it for a while now they don't sync at all like so my the my library syncs so if I've subscribed to a show, it appears on iOS and, and iTunes. Um, but I no longer listen on the Mac anymore <laughs> because since like the last point update to, uh, what are we on now? Mojave, the play, the play status doesn't sync anymore for me. And I don't, I don't know why that is. Like it's not a beta issue anymore. Um, and it made me think like, oh, maybe before this rumor happened, I was like, oh, the sync is broken now. Maybe they're going to do a standalone app. And that's why it's broken. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used podcasts in iTunes for a little while. Mm-hmm. But the friction alone of me of like going to iTunes and switching away from music to podcasts was enough for me to not use it. Mm. And, and uh, com- compounded by the fact that the UI is not great and it's kind of shoved into you know, music interface when it could be more optimized and it feels mm. like slow to scroll and all that baloney that, you know, <laughs> iTunes is a hog, we know. But just the simple fact of you having to like change tabs, it feels like a lot higher barrier to entry than the iOS version where you've got an app for music and an app for podcasts. And mm. doing a standalone podcast app is just nice and that you can have a separate icon on the dock and presumably that UI will be slightly more customized to the podcast experience versus yeah. you know being like, in like the you, music you don't get uh chapters right now. You don't get th- the 30 and 15 second skip buttons. Um, there's a lot of stuff that you're, that you're missing out on that, that would be in a, in a similar podcast app. And then you do get the sidebar is now required for certain navigation in iTunes. You can hide the sidebar, but then you get stuck in parts of the podcast app because, and it has its own settings, like within iTunes, even though iTunes has its own settings. <laughs> it's, it's really like tactile. Oh, there. Yeah, totally. Um, so it's like all upward from, there's like no downside to a sell on podcast app and there's a new app on your dock for podcasts. And like, I think people will discover podcasts on the Mac for the first time that didn't even know it was an iTunes because it is so hidden. And and that was part of the like strategy to fix iTunes was to make things more hidden, (laughs) like take away the tabbed, you know, navigation and make it a drop down menu and then remove things like apps um and like internet radio and stuff like that and then 
then maybe you'll never even notice that there is also like a movies and TV show store and a podcast <laughs> store and you only use it for music. Um, but I mean, I think this, this is the way forward though, or these more as a pan apps. Um, yeah. And, we, and I mean, like music obviously has the comparison with iTunes to contend with and we'll see how much, whether they do any changes from the iPad app that we know today for the mm-hmm. Mac app, whether they do some changes, but it's not enough or whether, you know, it's more comprehensive and a good enough substitute because when when they added Apple Music into iTunes, it you know it felt bolted on as well because like is a really dumb example. The playlists that you make and the the Apple Music playlists appear in two separate lists in the sidebar, and you can't interchange them. You can't drag right. them around because it was kind of like added on separately. Mm-hmm. And you, so you can put your playlist in a folder, but not Apple Music playlist. Yeah, <laughs> there's like really weird limitations of what you can do with each yeah. each different part, mm-hmm. and maybe that would be enough that if you are an Apple Music subscriber which clearly it's going to be focused on because, you know, services and that's, you know, where everyone's going, that it may actually be better, even though, you know, these features are lost to the, to the like perils of history. But the podcast experience is like the the Mojave apps uh, of the current Marzipan iteration in that there is no real competition because a standalone podcast app does not exist from Apple at the moment. So anything they introduce will be better. The only thing that... That they had on iTunes that wasn't on iOS, they fixed that recently too. So it, it was the Marcus played button. You could mark, oh, yeah. <laughs> you, could, you could clearly mark episodes as played on iTunes, which which was like it made sense. And on iOS, they want you to delete it. <laughs> it's like it's gone, which is I think Overcast does that too. But they added the Marcus play button on iOS in like twelve point three or whatever we're on twelve point two. So it's like it's in there now too. Um, so there there are no there are no downsides to the iPad podcast app coming to the mac unless you wanted like a non-marzipan dedicated app and then you're just you know it was, wasn't going to happen anyway i guess so uh, i'm excited for this the other part of it is you know we, we know about the, the tv shows app coming and that's going to be its own thing like apple serves up the videos in that so suddenly if if you pay for hbo through the channels feature which is the part where you subscribe through apple and not even the app store or the HBO app or like the website, but, but through Apple directly, then suddenly you've got an app. Even if HBO never makes a video player app for the Mac, even with Marzipan, presumably you can watch the content from that in the TV app on, on the Mac, you know, just yeah. like you could on iOS. So that's going to be really interesting. Um, yeah. And, and we've seen one screenshot of the TV app in mm-hmm. the presentation and it looked identical to the, the TV app. So yeah, yeah. the Apple TV app. So it's obviously a Marzipan effort. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's gonna be nice. Um, th- there is an Apple Books app on the Mac now since uh, what is it? Mavericks. Ma- Mavericks, yeah. And that was the update that came to the Mac when iOS seven was introduced, right? It was twenty thirteen, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. And that keynote, if you go back and watch it, there, there it's like I, I, it was the time it's iBooks. iBooks is on the Mac now, and there were. A lot of Mac specific things that you can do in iBooks and the language there was like, because it's a Mac, you can do this. Obviously it's a Mac app. So you can do things that you can't do on iOS. And it was things like, um, like, like have like pop out windows and things from, and it was like really advanced technical stuff that you probably weren't going to do in like, and if you're going to read books on your Mac at all. Um, and I don't, I don't think, like, I don't think anyone knows about a lot of these features. So even though there will be things that are gone, people like the, Apple Book experience on iOS 12 on the iPhone and the iPad, and so I think that will be a good replacement. Even though there'll, there'll be features lost, and there and whereas iTunes sticks around, I don't think you're going to have the old version of books and the new version no. of books. <laughs> it's no, not no that way. big enough. 
Um, but that's going to be nice. And then right now you play audiobooks in iTunes and I think there's sync and it's got like a visual indicator too. So it tries to like show you where you are, but on, uh, on iOS audiobooks play in the Apple books app and on the Mac, they don't play in the books app. They play in iTunes and there's no support for tracks and books can have like, just for example, 30 tracks over like three hours, like, you know, for or say six hours um and like on and it helps you it helps with sync so you know like what track you're on it's like the, the audiobook version of a chapter um it's like you know a chapter is divided into like several tracks um and then you just like you know where you are and if your sync is off you can like fix it with the track that you're on between iphone and ipad on the mac there's no tracks like some books have tracks but but not many and, and if they do it's like two tracks instead of like 30 it's just wrong um and so i imagine that if it's the, if it's the ipad app as the new books app on the mac then you get all the great features that are on ios including that um so that'll be yeah and they added a lot upgrade. to books in ios 12 that mm-hmm. the mac saw none of right like what you're reading what you want to read yeah reading now the the new charts the new store design like yeah. the books app on ios 12 is one of apple's best native apps now it's just you know very mm-hmm. few people read ebooks through apple but yeah their, their iphone ipad out there is really really well done and the mac the mac app is basically unchanged since mavericks came out so yeah. i think it's no longer a default on the dock anymore and then like i think it should be a default on the dock whenever they they change it replace it with the marzipan app <laughs> so yeah, I'm, this is, you know, a, it's interesting. Like, the first four Marzipan apps were apps that didn't exist any, yet. So even if they were not great Mac apps, because they're not, uh, <laughs> then at least they weren't, like, replacing something worse. There was just no other option there, but, you know, unless you had hope for Apple to make actual Mac apps. Um, and in this case, they're kind of replacing an app, but we expect it will stick around. You know, iTunes will still be available if, as a fallback, or if you just want to live in iTunes, then you, you can you know, if you want to. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, you're still not replacing something except for books, but that's just, it's outdated. Uh, you're still not replacing something that is a popular, well-known app with a Marzipan version of an app. Yeah, um, you're, you're not quite at the, I'm replacing mail yet with iOS mail, for instance. Right, right. And imagine if like Mac Safari was replaced with iPad Safari, how bad <laughs> that would be. And I mean, for all intents and purposes, Apple is not, announced any plans to stop developing AppKit and stop engineering it. I mean, in in Mojave, they spent a long time re-engineering the entire thing for dark mode, like custom, you know, an alternative design for every single control. So mm-hmm. I don't think they are like... I, I, it doesn't see... Their actions don't suppose that, you know, in two years' time, every single, app, every single Apple app on the dock will be UIKit-based and Marzipan-based. But... That is definitely the trend. Uh, I yeah. think what's going to happen is that very, very few of Apple's apps will remain, you know, true. Like we could see new versions of existing Apple apps that are not Marzipan apps, but they're but mm-hmm. they're changed versions of of Apple's apps. And yeah, we'll, like, we'll like I think mails, mail and calendar and photos, right? Like they're kind of good examples of stuff that are sufficiently complex that they're probably lower down on the list of, you know, these can be Marzipanified. Whereas stuff like messages is more you know closer to oh, we actually have so many limitations from this being an app app at the moment and, you know, stickers aren't available and stuff. That's got to be higher up on the list of stuff to get to. Mm -hmm. And it seems like this year they're attacking the media apps, which is great because everyone, you know, hates using iTunes. So, yeah. And and it also promotes their own services. Like you can have a a nice music app client uh, now for Apple Music. Mm -hmm. But it's they're still not quite hitting the 
high note of marzipan is so good that we don't need AppKit anymore. Yeah, because actually... again, mm-hmm. iTunes staying around, books get replaced, but nobody cared about books, and the <laughs> other two apps never existed before. Yeah, yeah. If you're curious, go back and watch the 2013 WWDC keynote if you want to see like what was uh was was the it was one of the guys that does all the all the keynotes now. Um, not not Jawsviak, but um uh. I forget his name anyway, but, but Roger Rosner, <laughs> yes, him. Yeah. So, so he does he does introduction. He's like, of course, because it's a Mac, you know, do all these things. But again, I, I think it was like news to me then too. <laughs> so, um, we also saw this week changes to how Apple handles podcasts. So not just you know we have this rumor now that we believe in that iTunes gets replaced, or, or you know uh, the future of, of of what you do in iTunes is now in, in four different apps. Um, but, but, uh, as you can already see this today, um, podcast web pages have changed in a way that they still kick you to iTunes. If you want to like, like you can jump to iTunes, but you can play individual episodes on Safari as well or on the web as well. And individual shows, they have episode shows or episode pages too now. So they've really overhauled how they present podcasts on the web. Um, yeah, and even the URLs changed. It used to start iTunes.apple.com slash blah, 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 slash podcast, and now it's just directly podcasts.apple.com. So mm-hmm. there's a break of iTunes <laughs> in the URL. Yep, yep. So um, I'm, I'm, this is one of the things, like, I, I, I think readers have been pretty, and, like, community commentary has been pretty positive about these changes and considering it as, like, regardless of whatever macOS 10.15 the platform can do, like feature wise, people are already judging the release on just these four new apps and how big of a deal that will be. They're saying like this is going to be like a colossal release, and that's I mean that's exciting. I'm glad people are into it because I sure am. So. Yeah. This week, Nine to Five Mac Happy Hour is sponsored by PDF Pen from Smile Software. PDF Pen is the ultimate tool for editing PDFs on the Mac, iPhone, and iPad. Using PDF Pen, you can add headers and footers to your documents, use the Precision Edit tool to edit graphics, use the library to store commonly used graphics, and scan and OCR documents so you can go paperless. With PDF Pen Pro, you can do even more, including batch OCR documents, convert websites into PDFs, create fillable PDF forms even automatically, and create and edit table of contents. The new version of PDF Pen version 10 also includes the ability to add watermarks, easily insert headers and footers into PDFs, and with PDF Pen Pro, you can actually run PDF Pen's optical character recognition on multiple documents in Batch. Batch OCR can even run in the background as you continue working in PDF Pen Pro or other apps. macOS Mojave users also get dark mode support with PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro 10. Learn more about PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro at smilesoftware.com slash podcast. That's smilesoftware.com slash podcast. PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro are the ultimate PDF viewing and editing apps for the Mac. Our thanks to PDF Pen from Smile for sponsoring 9to5Mac Happy Hour. All right, man, this week we also got news about the HomePod. Um, 
we're a little bit over a year away from the HomePod being actually released and like almost two years from it being announced. Uh, but Apple dropped the price from in the US $349 to $299. So a $50 price drop. Uh, and then it's around 15%, it's 15% or so. They, they apply that same price drop around the world. So, uh, so, so what's the story there? Yeah, and obviously around the world means countries where the HomePod is available, which it's is only more few. than zero, but it's not you know, the whole world. Because yeah, less than 10. Syria, Syria and Syria deployment, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Although is the first smart speaker really to launch in China? Because stuff like Amazon Echo and Google Home aren't really instated in China, but mm-hmm. the HomePod is now, which is interesting. But yeah, we saw in the UK, the price went from £319 to £279. You know, roughly 15% in different countries, though I saw somebody complaining like Spain that it only dropped 20 euros or something. There was mm. This price drop instigated a lot of negative reaction. It was it was really surprising to me because I was like, oh, this is interesting. The HomePod got a price drop. It's not the first time that Apple has dropped the price of products, you know, off cycle, essentially, between generations. But it is quite rare. Well, so it's not it's not the, unprecedented, the, but yeah, it's unusual. The, the counter example is the 2013 Mac Pro that only got a price drop whenever Apple said, we're never going to make a new version of this one. And they didn't even drop the price, really. They, they kept the same price points. They just gave you more more for your money. <laughs> yeah, they just moved the higher-end configs down the line a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the the most recent example I can think of Apple just you know straight dropping the price with there being new models available is the Apple TV. So before the TVOS mm-hmm. version in that same year, uh, twenty fifteen, they dropped the price of the Apple TV three from ninety nine dollars to sixty nine dollars, mm-hmm. and that was at the same time that um, HBO Go. That's the app version, right? HBO Go, not HBO, or HBO Now. One of the HBO Now is the standalone streaming version. Yeah, the Now. So Apple announced a, a partnership with HBO to run. They had them in the keynote, uh, uh, like a March event, and at the same time as saying you can now stream Game of Thrones on HBO Now, uh-huh. they introduced the Apple TV price drop from ninety nine to sixty nine, and it was really old by then too. Yeah, it was really old. Yeah, and then obviously in the fall they announced the newer model, which went to one hundred and forty nine dollars. Yeah, whereas HomePod <laughs> is like is is a year old and it gets this price drop. Mm-hmm. Apple TV then was pretty old and needed to be replaced, and then soon after it was. Yeah, and we've seen third party retailers do pretty deep discounting on the HomePod, especially around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. If you remember, just before Christmas, Apple did a deal in the UK where Apple Music subscribers got a fifty pound off voucher for the HomePod. So you could actually get the HomePod for about this price uh, before Christmas if you got if you were one of the you know thousand few that were allocated an email with a promo like a code in it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it was almost like a testing the price the price thing. But apart from that, you know, it's it's interesting. Was I don't think that it should be seen particularly negatively because ultimately, if a fifteen percent price drop results in more than fifteen percent additional sales, then it's a success. And the HomePod, even when we, you know, were were talking of it favorably when it came out a year ago, you know, we were saying it's probably too expensive. And mm-hmm. for me, two ninety nine is probably the price it should have launched at, not three fifty. Yeah, three fifty is a lot of money. Yeah, is a lot yeah. Of money. and there's this kind of like knee jerk reaction that oh, if Apple's dropping the price, it must be failing. I don't think that's really supported by the data because. The charts and stuff obviously show Echo and Amazon and Google Home devices dominating the market share. Hmm. 
But if you look into it, you know, obviously they're majority the dots and things that are sub $100 products. Mm-hmm. If you look above 350 or above $300, the HomePod, I believe, is number one. Yeah, so there's a few things from, from, from me here. Um, first, they didn't lower the price because it was doing so well. <laughs> they, no, they, that's true. Yeah, yeah. so it, it was, to some degree, we're not doing... We, we've got some goal, we're not hitting that. So So let's try... You know, I think the way you put it was if you remove 50% of the cost, then you reach 15% more customers and you're doing pretty good. It's worth it. Um, and, and, and we did see many retailers do as low as like 250. That was pretty common and people like that price. Um, the reaction to a lot of this was like people were like, it needs to be way lower, like a hundred dollars. Like this is not a $100 product. Like I don't know what it costs to make one. But it's never really associated with like what you price something at and competitively like to what else is out there. The, even at $300, like the Google Home Max is $400. The Sonos Play 5 is $500. Like there are much pricier smart speakers with, you know, um, Play 5 doesn't even have like a voice assistant built into it. It's just a good speaker. Um, you know, and so this, I think 350 was, was okay. It was it, part of that was like confidence and like how good it was of a speaker. Um, you know, you can debate all the things that it can't do, but what it can do, it does well. Mm-hmm. Um, 300 definitely feels better. Like you're at 299. There's something about that that feels, feels nice. I, I, I always keep forgetting that, it, that it's 350 and not like 329. And so that's, a pretty big difference uh and if you're at 300 then that gives retailers you know i don't don't know what if you if you pass along some savings to them too whenever they're buying them from apple um but maybe 250 becomes way more common because they rarely sell something at full price all the time so maybe 250 is like the year-round price or they go even lower which would be nice um and if you think about this in terms of stereo pairs 350 for one, seven hundred for two. Now it becomes three hundred for one, six hundred for two. Or if you get one of the deals for two fifty, then it's five hundred for two, and then you're saving two hundred dollars from what it used to cost to get a stereo pair. So that's really nice. The reason I think people don't like <laughs> reacted so negatively to this, you know, like no one was like, "Go Apple!" Like they they did the right thing. Everyone was like, "They're not doing enough. Why bother?" Um, is I think that people want they want a different product than what HomePod is today, and there totally needs to be something like that. Like, if Google only sold the Google Home Max for four hundred dollars, nobody would pay attention to it or take it seriously. And there was a point where Amazon only sold one Echo priced above a hundred dollars, but they didn't do that for very long. You know, more than maybe a year and a half or so. And then they went way down market with the different versions of the dot that are like as low as 30 on sale sometimes. But if you just look at like the current lineup, like they've got a $50 dot and they have a $100, uh, around $100 or 150 for the Echo Plus and they've got one in the middle. Um, and they've, they've played around with their pricing too. Like their permanent pricing of their Echo Plus went down, um, because I guess I think they weren't selling them, you know, probably. Uh, there needs to be something that costs half what HomePod costs and is half as loud because for me, I use, the HomePod at about 50% volume at most. <laughs> and because I worry about being too loud otherwise, like there's, there's just not a situation anymore where I've got the HomePod at 100% volume. And it's like, if I'm never using all of it, then I, then I probably need something smaller than what it is. And it would probably cost Apple less money to make that. And they could probably charge less money for that product. And they, you know, if they sold one that was half the cost to make, and 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 sell then they might sell twice as many of them you know 
Um, yeah, and it'd be smaller, so it might fit into more kitchens and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's just there's there's definitely um, like they're at the high end, and it's and it's I find to start there, you know, and and at least they didn't cancel it like they they did iPod Hi-Fi. iPod Hi-Fi got like less than two years on the market. HomePod isn't quite at the level where iPod Hi-Fi was in terms of days on the market, but it never got the price drop. It just got discontinued. <laughs> um, and so it's better news for HomePod that at least there was a price drop, even if it's having trouble in sales. But HomePod is way more successful than iPod Hi-Fi ever was. Yeah, totally. It's, it's, a, it's a better product on its own, too. Yeah, people like to like laugh at, oh, the HomePod's such a failure. Numbers and financials aren't what matter, but you know, they're, they're benchmarks as to how Apple keeps products around. The the HomePod sales, if you estimate they sold 5 million last year, which mm-hmm. seems to be about right compared to what the analysts are saying, and you times that by 300, so that's like 350 Apple's price plus discounting around the place, mm-hmm. you get to like a billion dollars in revenue. Mm-hmm. And Sonos, the entire Sonos company, did $900 million in revenue in 2018. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> the HomePod alone is as big as Sonos is. Like. Yeah. You cannot discount it. It is not a joke product. I know people on Twitter love to like, oh, the HomePod's so stupid because Siri gets it wrong sometimes. And it does. But if you stick to the domains that you know the HomePod can work with and and actually performs. So, you you know, if you ask the HomePod about shopping centers and stuff like that, it's not going to ask. It's going it's to say, I don't know what to do. But if you ask it about weather, if you ask it about music, it generally does. A pretty good job and way better than the phone Siri does just because it has better microphones and it can hear you better and you can talk at a normal volume even when you're playing music at like 90% volume you don't have to shout over the top of it like, mm-hmm. the HomePod product is you know really nice I use mine like every single day and clearly they wanted to they thought they could get away with 350 and now they're coming down to 300 that's probably also offset by uh, lowered production costs because it probably costs them 15% less to make it nowadays than it did a year ago hmm. And they're trying to establish the, the the right place in the market. Like the iPhone, if they if they drop the iPhone price by fifty dollars, fifteen percent, or whatever, then that is significant in terms of demand because the iPhone product has been around for a long time. They know how many people want them, and clearly it should normally be popular. And if they came to a point where they have to drop the price that much, uh, then that that is a warning signal for you know iPhone demand. But the HomePod is a new product that hadn't been out for very long, and they hadn't yet found exactly where. It, it slots in the lineup is mm-hmm. it's kind of like how when they do the ipad and then you know they ninja in the 329 dollar ipad people weren't like laughing the ipad out as a failure yeah. like it's it's a different situation yeah, and the ipad lineup i think is is really interesting especially now that there's the, the mini which is not cheaper than the old mini was like they they kept on to that four dollar price point and and cut the storage in half by updating the chip uh and and which the pencil now but and then there's also the new ipad air it's like they've got such a big range because the pro is so expensive and the the base model iPad is so there's such a big gap there in terms of like how inexpensive it is that there was room for two more different size iPads in between at different price points for four hundred to five hundred dollars. Um that with with I, I think that there's room for a lineup of home pods like and they could they could do one hundred dollars and two hundred dollars and keep the three hundred dollar home pod as it is. And have like three different sizes there with with different different prices and different like volume outputs and, and how powerful they are, um, and, and I think that would, that would be fine. And, but maybe they'll do like the, the one thing is possible here that they could they could rely on the Beats brand for the lesser versions of HomePod, but also include Siri. So they'd be AirPlay two speakers because you know in twenty fourteen or 
2017, they said that they were going to do a Beats Airplay 2 speaker, and they haven't done that yet since they, since they bought Beats in 2014. It's weird. Um, but the thing that would be different about that would be including Siri in the Beats product, and they don't do that yet. But they do have the activate Siri with your voice feature in the upcoming Power Beats Pro. So they're getting closer to something that's like only on Apple products in Beats. Um, so I can kind of see that. But one thing is like lowering the price of the current HomePod doesn't make me think they're they're going to do an, an even cheaper HomePod anytime soon, or they they would have held on to that like premium price at the top. You know, so that there's a, a bigger gap in between you know cheap HomePod and expensive HomePod. Yeah, and in terms of hardware, the current HomePod can happily live along unchanged for you know another few years yet. Like, yeah, they don't even have to update the hardware. It's all the people, all everyone. the people's complaints are software side. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and and the server of siri etc mm-hmm. so the actual home pod hardware they can keep selling for at least another two years probably without changes and maybe even drop the price again to 250 if they, if they need to and i think a, a home pod mini you know kind of product around the 100 150 level would definitely be uh well received there doesn't there just doesn't seem to be the, like the supply chain rumors or the evidence that apple's right. you know actively pursuing yeah. it at the moment they probably do it eventually but there have been independent of Apple on stage with introducing AirPlay 2 and saying that we've got these committed partners, which included Beats. There have been um, both rumors and analyst reports of a uh, roughly $200 to $250 Beats uh, AirPlay 2 uh, or HomePod mini-like speaker. Um, but those those were accompanied with like predictions of when it would ship, and it hasn't happened yet. Um, and the, And... So, and they, those weren't recent either. <laughs> so they were probably just wrong. Um, or they were experimental and, and it hasn't happened, you know. But there, there's something to that whole thing where we haven't seen what is the Beats AirPlay 2 speaker yet. Um, and, and I really like, I'd like for that to be like, it also includes Siri control. Like, and that would, that would be big. Um, AirPlay 2 is, is great, but voice control included is, is, is really nice. Um, yeah, and, and it's, like, the, it's like giving someone a HomePod and telling them to run Spotify on it. It's not the same. Yeah, you, you need yeah. to be able to voice activate. Yep, and you know, with the Powerbeats Pro, again, you you get the ability to activate Siri, but it, you have to have a paired Apple device with a Siri on it for that to work. So it isn't like there's Siri inside of the Powerbeats Pro. So it would be different if if there was Siri inside of this Beats AirPlay Two speaker, and that would be news. But we don't know that yet. Um, but uh, three hundred dollars. I didn't go and buy any new HomePods because of that. I don't know that anyone did, and I don't know. But but again, the, the 250 sell people like that. Um, and if you see them for less than that too, it's great. I, I know the refurbished price went down too, to like 260 or so, because it wasn't it was around 300 before, if not 300. So, um, and, and the other thing about this, like we mentioned, the software stuff. There there have been changes to HomePod software. Like you, you you got missing features like timer support, which is or multiple timers, which is still only on the HomePod. Like they haven't brought that to Siri anywhere else yet. Um, the ability to check your calendar was added. That was new. Um, initiating a phone call was added. That was new when when you. Started. I use that all the time, by the way. Especially yeah. when people call me, you can answer. Mm-hmm. You can say, "Hey Siri, answer the phone." Right. And just and just it would just connect through your phone and you you just you know you've got a speakerphone there and it just works and yeah the original HomePod software would let you do the speakerphone but you had to do it manually so you pick up your phone answer the call and change the output i've i've done it via voice activation yeah. ever since they rolled out feature so, it so we got some of the initial features that were you know in the early reviews where are these features why you know it's like it needs to be included in 1.0 and we eventually got those and then some of the features like um asking it to find your iphone you can do that if it's nearby it can make your iphone ping 
or your or your iPad or your Mac. Um, so Searching by lyrics is a cool feature. I was doing that mm-hmm. again at the weekend, where if you just want to play a song, but you can't remember the exact title, but you remember like you know a, one sentence of the lyric, you just say like Siri, play the song that goes, and then you say the lyric, and then it just starts playing the song. And it, you'd be surprised how well it works. It works yeah, well. it's it's that's a that's a flexible and and nice feature to have. Like it's practical. Um, so, so you got some nice features along the way, but it's been a while since we have anything new from HomePod, and it could be that we have WWDC in June and we see all the new software updates coming for everything but HomePod. That's how it happened last year, <laughs> and it wasn't until like late summer that there were even rumors about what might be coming for HomePod, and then it wasn't until like software release day in September when we saw those features in actuality. So. I, and that's how long time to wait for it to know, like, is, is the HomePod going to become smarter and, and, and in what ways? So I hope that there's like summer, like there's, there's more releases and not just like a fall. progress report. Yeah. 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 Like I wouldn't, there's no beta for HomePod. So you can't do that. Like you can for everything else. So it's a try out the new features if you're like really enthusiastic and don't worry about like crashes and stuff like that. But so I, I hope we learn more before like September about what HomePod today will be able to do. Um, but might not expect that. The other thing is, is in this like sub $300 space, they're kind of relying on Amazon Echo right now for, for a $50 to $300, sub $300 smart speaker that can play Apple music. Um, and I don't know if that's just because they, you know, they want Apple music to work on more places and increase how many subscribers you have, or if it's a version of like, you know, experimenting, with how many people actually use uh, Apple Music on those speakers. Uh, if they get any data from that, I don't know. Um, but it could be interpreted as they're, they're not going to bother because they can just say, if you want to play Apple Music on a $50 speaker that's smart with a voice assistant, then just use the Echo. And if that's the solution, then it's also kind of a gateway to using the voice assistant on the Echo and not the one on your on your HomePod, um, which, which in because... Amazon's voice assistant has different capabilities that could be a gateway to forgetting about Siri and just using Alexa. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. I, I, I think even if they did have a HomePod mini in that price point, they would still do the Amazon echo integration because they just, I think they just know that the natural market of Apple music subscriptions, which is what the echo integration is targeting is larger than the total sales of their own HomePod division anyway. So, and I believe they're having a decent string of success with Apple Music on Android in general. So, branching out to smart speakers, including Sonos, obviously, that's been there for a long time. And then uh, Amazon more recently is just part of the, you know, selling Apple Music subscription side, not the HomePod product strategy side of yeah. the business. Yeah. Yeah. Sonos was kind of a commitment to meet Beats Music, which was, was already there. And so they, they, they could have dropped it if they wanted to, though. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah. there weren't that many Beats Music subscribers, like a few hundred thousand. So. Yeah, so that, that's... And now they're obviously putting it on the Fire TV, and there are vague rumors about maybe they'll do it on Google uh, Home speakers as well. Yeah, and and if you, if you punt to Amazon, that's only in the U.S. and then now in the U.K. as of, like, the last week or so. But mm-hmm. that, that's just... And as few markets have HomePod... There are only two markets with Apple Music on Echo, so it's not a great solution. Um, there's definitely room for a, a sub three hundred dollar HomePod. I think that would be quite popular. So, um, and, and and I wrote a story on this too, like with these ideas. And as the lead image is an illustration of the Echo Dot three and the Echo Plus next to the HomePod, and it's like the perfect 
family step up yeah like ladder of like how tall and thick is it and the the new echoes look like cheap knockoffs of the home pod <laughs> like they've already designed it for like apple designed it uh, they don't look like the original echoes anymore so amazon kind of copied that in like a cheap way apple could just make a nicer version of the copycats and then there's their products <laughs> yeah i'm a, i'm a i'm a two home pod owner and i would happily get a home pod mini for a different room in the house because yeah you, it, you, you just a- don't need 300 dollars worth of speakers in every single room it's yeah and, and there are some rooms that are so small you don't want speakers that are that big as well yeah like, like uh, in the kitchen actually our, uh, my, both of my home pods are in my office at the moment but in our kitchen just the layout and the places where like plugs are to actually plug it in it wouldn't really accommodate the speaker unless we literally put it on the dining table which would be really weird so if you had a much smaller one like a dot size or even you know like a, tr- a triple height dot essentially that would actually fit in there and I could put one in there. But for mm-hmm. now, it's just, it's not the price, it's just the physical size doesn't, so, doesn't enable it to work. Let's talk about Lunar Display, the only hardware solution that turns your iPad into a wireless second display for Mac. With Lunar Display, you can finally use your iPad as a super portable second display for your Mac with stunning image quality and virtually zero lag. Luna sets up in seconds and instantly works over your existing Wi-Fi or even over USB as a backup when you don't have Wi-Fi. Luna Display acts as a complete extension of your Mac with full support for external keyboards, Apple Pencil input, and touch interactions. It literally turns your iPad into a touchscreen display for your Mac. I've been trying out Luna Display and I have to say, the experience is really remarkable. Just connect the tiny adapter into your Mac over USB-A or USB-C, then launch the Luna app on your iPad, and macOS really does treat your whole iPad screen as a dedicated external monitor with full touch support. Luna Display is great on any iPad since the experience is full screen with no letterboxing, which makes Luna Display really shine on the latest iPad Pros with liquid retina displays that go corner to corner. If you just want to put your iPad to work, and extend your Mac desktop, or you want to use your iPad to expand your screen real estate from your MacBook while you're traveling, Luna Display is a fantastic way to unlock an invaluable new skill from your iPad. And Luna Display is giving Happy Hour listeners an exclusive deal on the product for a limited time with 10% off. Head to the show notes to get an exclusive 10% discount on Luna Display. Just go to www.lunardisplay.com and enter the promo code HAPPY at checkout. Our thanks to Lunar Display. All right, man, this week we got a new round of uh, iPhone rumors as well. And not just the iPhone, but but some, some things about uh, Apple's Pro Display and future MacBooks and iPads. So leading with iPhone, what's new in the rumor hardware this week? Yes, yeah, so... Japanese Apple blog Makatakara released a very weird report about the 2019 lineup. If these details were reported by, you know, a random source, we probably wouldn't even covered it because it just seems too wrong. But Makatakara has earned itself as a decent reputation in accuracy. They were most notably the um, publication that first reported on Apple removing the headphone jack for the iPhone 7. Yeah, in, in November before... Of the previous year. Yeah, the previous year before the September announcement, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. It was yeah. way... It was, it was 
it was, they were number they were by far the first to pronounce that and when they did everyone said they were gonna they were wrong and apple would never do it and then over the course of the following year it became standard and well known essentially so they were definitely the, they definitely earned themselves like credibility in this area which is you know why we're giving this any attention at all but up front this is a weird this is a weird story because what they're saying quoting what they call as reliable chinese supply chain sources is that in addition to like spec bump spec bump updates to the 10R the 10S the 10S max there would be two new oled models with 6.1 inch and 6.5 inch displays and those two models would be the ones that come with the triple camera system we've been seeing leaking everywhere and they'd be kind of like um, the premium options in the lineup because they would also be the ones that come with the power sharing feature for like bilateral wireless charging they'd be the ones that come with the 18 watt charge in the box etc etc hmm what the what they kind of argue is that the triple lens component is so different that the current chassis of the phone of the phones we know today cannot support it straight up so that the thickness of these new fo- of these supposed 6.1 6.5 inch phones will be changing around to kind of offset the, the size in the bump mm-hmm. so it, for instance it says the 6.1 inch phone would be about 0.015 millimeters thicker than the iPhone XS, but the camera bump would be protruding less by about half a millimeter. Hmm. So it's kind of offsetting it like that. Similarly, with the 6.5 inch, the overall body would get 0.4 millimeters thicker, but the camera bump would be reduced by 0.25. And, and so prior it would to... only be slightly thicker overall. Yeah. The 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 weird the the thing that gives it so much pause is because it's specifically mentioning 6.1 inch and 6.5 inch. OLED versions, those kind of orders are things that we hear like last year. Mm. And throughout the whole of last year, it was never reported that Apple would be doing OLED models of a 6.1 inch size. Because the iPhone XR is 6.1 inches, mm-hmm. um, is like what it rounds up to. Because if you think about it, if you actually look in the specs, it's 6.06, but that rounds up to 6.1. So you're, you're, what you're essentially saying is they're going to do an iPhone XR size as an OLED display plus a new tennis max size yeah yeah and this is the first time we've heard this rumor there have also been um rumor there's been a few different versions of this so so one version of the triple lens camera rumor is that the new version of the iphone 10s gets it and the new version of the iphone 10s max gets it another version of the rumor has said that only the higher capacity models of those will get it so that there'll be a, a spec bump version of the 10r that has two cameras now um, there'll be versions of the 10s spec bump and 10s max spec bump that have two cameras, but then even high, like the higher capacity versions would have three cameras because it costs more to, to to make, I suppose. And it's kind of like the old jet black iPhone seven was only available in a higher capacity at first. Um, just kind of for exclusivity. Uh, but this is totally different. It's that, that don't expect it on the smaller, on the 5.8 inch iPhone. And, and, and then you also get an iPhone 10 R lcd spec bump and there's an oled 6.1 that's very confusing and we've not heard it elsewhere before so it's it's a weird one indeed that's all i had there could be some crossover where like the 6.5 inch phone is the 10s max with a higher capacity storage if you see what i mean like these these rooms kind of overlap sort of 
And even on leaks, uh, had a tweet that said unconfirmed, but he thinks there might be a iPhone XR variant with three cameras as well. Hmm. So maybe, maybe this <laughs> is right because you know, six point one shadow is kind of like an iPhone XR size. So maybe it just seems unlikely that we haven't heard of specifically a six point one inch OLED panel orders for iPhones in 2019. Yeah, because obviously we've heard previous rumors about Apple going full OLED in 2020 and beyond, but for this year. It, we haven't heard today that Apple is ordering 6.1 inch OLED panels, so that's kind of the, the 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 reason for pause and like hesitation on you know the credibility of this. But clearly, there's an unresolved question here in the rumor mill about exactly what phones get the triple camera and which don't. What does Samsung do? They they on their Galaxy S10. I know they've got a lot of variants of it. Like I think they've got an S10e maybe. Is it a, I think it's a product. <laughs> and then they've got the the folding one that's now like I think as of thir- uh, Friday you can pre-order that one. I'm not sure quite when it comes. Yeah, out, their but... 750 phone, which I believe is the S10e, has dual cameras, and then okay. the S10, you know, and S10 Plus have three cameras so for a thousand i'm not sure the prices but yeah yeah for a thousand you get three cameras yeah and and it may be that with apple for a thousand you don't but for 1100 you do get three cameras and that that would be kind of annoying if first if if samsung's giving you more than you get for for apple i think that would be something people complain about um but as long as if it's that for 750 you get two cameras but for a thousand you get three cameras and and they're on par with that then that would be uh, nothing to complain about. Or maybe, or maybe they don't change the price, and they actually the reason for the keeping, you know, the spec bump models around is the whole like Chinese demand problem, mm, and true. they need cheaper models in the lineup. Like that's why I don't like discredit entirely because clearly Apple's going to have to do something more drastic to stay competitive in China at the moment. So keeping those models around is not like because say if they they were like not panicking, but they needed to respond to the Chinese demand situation yeah. in January when they hit the issue. They they don't have the time to in, invent brand new models, but they can definitely say, oh, maybe we're going to just discontinue the 10s again and just introduce the new one behind. But now that we've seen we need to, we're price point sensitive, we can just keep the previous version around in addition to, you know, the three camera model that we were already planning. So mm-hmm. maybe there's some justification there. Yeah. All right. And then uh, the core report was an interesting one because there was a there was a previous report. Usually we received the quotes from Ming-Chi Kuo of TF International Securities, um, the same from when he was at KGI. Uh, and so we can read them ourselves and we're not allowed to publish them, like republish them, but, but we can uh, reference them and describe what's inside of the reports. Uh, uh, but Chinese media <laughs> obtained them before we did by about a day. And, and I think that's pretty common. Um, but the, the translations, a lot of publications were quick to report what was in the Chinese coverage and relying on Google Translate to take what's already unclear. And, you know, a lot of times, like, it, written in English, we kind of got to decipher what's what's being said. Like, what, is, what does this mean in reality? Um, and so yeah, some some stuff's obvious, right? Because sometimes yeah. we just say, Here's the 2020, 2020 iPhone. It has bilateral wireless charging and it has mm-hmm. three cameras, for instance. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. obvious. Yeah. And we have we have covered query reports in the past based on the Chinese translations because it was it, you know it seemed unambiguous essentially. Yeah. And we and there's like multiple Chinese sites were saying the same thing. Yeah. On this occasion, it, the Chinese translation into through Google Translate was not clear at all. Like right. it was hard to know what he was trying to mean based on that so we obviously saw the chinese versions the day before and we were like let's hold off till we actually get 
you know, the real story. Yeah. Unfortunately, in between them, some other sites uh, posted the wrong version of events, which caused a lot of confusion that shouldn't really have happened. But because even and even Digitimes covered the Quo report before we did, but they said they confused the external display for the iMac. So there was even a report on the same morning that there was going to be a 31.6 inch iMac. This year. Yeah. This year. Which was which was you know brand new and if you're saying close said it it's got some credibility to it but it was just it was just mistranslated and the other uh, mistake that was passed around because of this and again it was just the right thing to do was was not to cover being unsure like if you know you're unsure about it don't just say we're gonna wait for the English version but then also cover it <laughs> but, but pe- people uh, the 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 incorrect rumor was that redesigned macbook pro that we discussed a few weeks ago that's bigger than the 15.4 inch version so it's somewhere like 16 and a half inch or so 17 inch that was going to be delayed for two years and that wasn't what quo was that wasn't what the report from quo said and so what's the actual like what quo's report said once you read it yeah so quo reiterated his external display uh, comment that we had from february that said apple is releasing a 31.6 inch external display which will come out alongside the map pro the new map pro and it uses mini led technology for the backlight and it will ship in the second quarter or the third quarter this year which is soon they're saying like before q4 <laughs> so not december 31st yeah so that'd be faster than the previous map pro yeah which was literally the very very end of december yeah and, and everyone expects it to be announced at wwc right like that's just the perfect venue for it this means it could be an an apple said on the record that they're doing a pro display with the mac pro but with the new mac pro but they've not said anything more about it and so so quo is the the source of all the specs about it and now quo is saying and apple also said it's going to the mac pro will come out this year so we can assume that the display will come out this year but but quo setting the expectations of q2 or (laughs) three which means any like any day after april 1st until like what the end of september so it's it's yeah pretty pretty good range but it's not like the last day of the year like like the last back probably 2013 was um like the last week like it means yeah so there's a chance it's not just sneak peeked at june it's also you know you can order now yeah like order now and you can get you know certain configurations in july and certain ones in august like that's pretty practical i think so so yeah, that's, so that's, that's what you said regarding the display. Beyond that, this was kind of a whole report on the mini on Apple's interest in mini LED. Right. And the confusion with the laptop was the Quo report in English said that Apple is exploring and planning mini LED iPads and MacBooks for 2020 and 2021. Mm-hmm. And they would be in the 15 to 17 inch range and the 12 inch range on the iPad. So the 15 to 17 inch MacBook range and then 12 inch range on the iPads. Mm-hmm. But but that model is not not the same as the model that's you know reportedly coming it, out. This it's year. like a future version of the one that's reported to come yeah, out. Yeah, it will probably use the same design language as the redesigned one this year because yeah. uh, you know it's only two years out, they, but it's not. They can this plan year. for many LEDs at a time. Yeah. Yeah, and the iPad and the MacBook will be real mini led not so not just the backlight but the actual screen is mini led as and, and well. mini led the benefit there it's not oled where it's it's individual pixels light up right but it's it's closer to that by you what, what what's the benefit there yeah it's closer it's yeah. <laughs> they they can light up individual areas mm-hmm. it, it, it's the, the 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 kind of like uh, specification between mini LED and micro LED, which is again a related technology Apple's exploring. Yeah, yeah. A, a hard to a hard to define, but 
the true mini LED is very close to OLED right. in terms of they can light up individual pixels may, may, and maybe without some of the downsides of, of what you get yeah like the, there's less burning problems maybe it's going to be blue. thinner panels it's probably going to be cheaper and you get um you, you probably won't have the um color shifting issue where mm-hmm. you know the screen turns blue at an angle mm-hmm. so that and uh, crucially more than samsung will end up making them because right. at the moment apple has an issue where they can only really source from Samsung and maybe LG from next year, so yeah. they're obviously looking at alternatives. And it seems like Mini LED will be offer be able to offer the same like high contrast levels and stuff as OLED. But the only the only dancer there is it's not available today. It's going to be like late twenty 2020 twenty or early twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those I, I, and we'll look out for those models. They'll be cool when they ship. But obviously, you know, the focus at the moment is on the twenty nineteen iteration, right. specifically of the sixteen sixteen and a half inch MacBook Pro. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> as always with quote, the supply chain is long, and so is so are his predictions, which are subject to change, but they're interesting nonetheless. Um, all right, let's wrap up this week with a, a few things for me, um, sort of in the in the fitness corner, like we often discuss. Um, I want to reendorse the Tempo app, and that's the app that I I, I told you I was using uh, without using Nike Running Club. I wanted a, a an app that would historically track how many miles I've ran this today this week this month ever and tempo has been fantastic the one thing that i've been missing is um the ability for like if you run your fastest mile or fastest 5k or 10k uh etc within a longer period because there's often like something at the end uh what was your fastest within that that range um and i I wrote about that on the site after discussing it here for several weeks and the developer of the tempo app saw the coverage and said that is on the uh, list of future features if it, you know if he can pull it off it's going to be there so I'm, I'm looking forward to that i hope it makes it um really excited about that like that's like the last thing from leaving nike nike Garden club um the thing is as uh i over the weekend i ran a, a organized 5k race and one one new challenge in addition to that with, with using the app workout app is I ran ran the 5K and it was a blast. It was super foggy, so it was like hard to see. But we've had a lot of fog um, in in the south this year. I live close to the water, so it's way worse than than if you're far from the water. But it's like I, I, <laughs> visibility was very low. Um, at the end of the race, I got an activity sharing alert that was like, "Good job going out for a walk." And that was one of the like, canned ones that you get with an outdoor walk. And I was like, "I see this person joking." And I looked at looked at the workout, and I had log- logged the wrong type of workout. I logged outdoor. Uh, walk instead of outdoor run, and it doesn't affect like what gets tracked. It's it's maybe the algorithm's a little bit different, but it's um it's uh you know still GPS location and heart rate and all that calories distance. Uh, it's just it's just in the wrong category, and so the Tempo app didn't measure it as a as a a run either, since it's based on what the watch measures, um, and health kit. But you can toggle in Tempo certain walking sessions above a certain pace of like 18 uh, something, you know, it, it's it's pretty generous but then it, it brought in some of my actual walking workouts too and so I, I turned the toggle off for that and so i just lost like a, you know three miles of this this distance for this month which isn't a big deal um, yeah i've had a similar i've had run into that with like activity sharing where you start the wrong workout and then after like three minutes you notice that you picked the wrong category and you want to change it but you when you finish a workout there's no way to say cancel or don't 
yeah. tell people that I've done this or, you know, <laughs> just, just forfeit it. Yeah. You press end and that immediately shares it to anyone that's subscribed to your notifications. It's like yeah. now they get a stupid notification that's, you know, describing a three minute workout before you then go back and actually do the proper one. Like, yeah. I wish there was more controller. So it, it, yeah, two things from that is like, it would be nice if there was like a threshold of like, if it's really not a, if it's an excellent workout, like don't, don't send the person a ping for that. Um, yeah. Like if it lasts. 10 minutes or more then start tracking it and then yeah. send out alerts and then the flexibility to like if i could go back and change the outdoor walk to an outdoor run i would and, and i think it's pretty practical too like if you start one and then you're like oh i'm not thinking i'm actually gonna go for the other then it might be nice to to build it there aren't many examples of that but um even if it was like the wrong um I think it's the best one is like, cause like if you're like an indoor bike or outdoor cycles, like that's different. It's like location or not location. Um, but the difference in like outdoor run and walk is mostly just in tracking historically and not in like what it captures. Like it's both location and distance. Um, I'm sure there are some like algorithm differences too, to like what is measuring for distance and everything, but, um, your actions are the same. So, um, yeah, that'd be nice flexibility. Also, I wrote a watchOS 6 feature uh, request like wish list a few weeks ago that we'll probably discuss closer to WWDC. But one of the things that I mentioned there was um, related to activity sharing was it'd be kind of cool if you could get the alert at the beginning of the workout starting versus the end. Um, and that's how Nike Run Club works is, is that if you're friends on Nike Run Club with other people and you start a run, then they all get an alert. And then so they can send cheers, it's like say, hey, you know, have a good race, good job, whatever. Or e- even better, it's like my friend that lives near me is, is is starting a workout. Maybe I should go join them versus like, you know, they, they just worked out. Now it's too late. Yeah. Um, so it kind of changes the dynamic there. So um, that was kind of a watchOS 6 request. Other thing I've, I've got this week is um, <laughs> I was browsing the, I don't know if you know this, the watch app on the iPhone has an app store inside of it. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's super hidden. Uh, but I, I was like looking for some new apps, different apps I haven't tried that work with the watch. And there was one called Watch, uh, or, or called Stand Land that I've never seen before. And I'm probably going <laughs> to write, write about it soon. But what it does, it's, it's really clever. It, uh, takes your stand hour. And I've, I've seen people have a, a hard time with, with remembering to do the stand hour and getting the stand hour. To me, it's one of the easier rings, but I can, I can see how it can be challenging. Um, but that's, that's the, the, the blue ring for, Stand up, move around for at least one minute of 12 different hours of the day is how that works. And the, the idea is that you're not just sitting all day. And if you work out in the morning, you're not just working out for 30 minutes in the morning and then not moving the rest of the day that you, you move around some throughout the day. Uh, and then hopefully you do a little bit more than just walk around for a second. Um, but stand land takes your stand hour from your watch. Or if you don't have an Apple watch, I think it, it just, it takes steps from the iPhone and, and the iPhone step tracking feature to determine uh, if you've if you moved around. But it, it, uh, gives you a, a little creature, like a little buddy, a little character. And you take your stand hour and you unlock like achievements within the app and you give like your virtual character, like, you know, achievements can like unlock different things for the character so it's kind of like it, it's a couple of things it's like if you you're like the whole like virtual pet like tamagotchi style thing interests you it's kind of a neat modern version of that but then also just like with step tracking apps there are streaks and like make stand every at 8 p.m every morning you know for a set number of days so it's like a, 
um, really takes the stand hour and like does a lot more with it. So, st- uh, stand land is the name of the app. If the stand hour challenges you or like you just want a new twist on it or you like the idea of like Tamagotchi style, you know, experience, it, it does all of those things, uh, for me. So, uh, I, c- I can recommend that. Um, also wanted to update on the AirPods experience. So last week we recorded and after we recorded, I went out for a run and I had, I, I said in the episode, we discussed like my, my AirPods pairing problem with the watch, the AirPods too. Um, and I said it only happened once and then it was fine. Well, it's happened like almost every day since then. <laughs> <laughs> so including like between recording and editing and releasing the show. So, um, what I've experienced is different from the first time where it was like 10 seconds and it'd, and it'd stop. Um, it's like if the phone isn't near me, the AirPods come out of their case or I just put them in the ears and I don't hear the, the chime that like, they're active and out of sleep mode. It's like they're stuck in sleep mode. Um, and the, and, and so if the phone's nearby, they, they wake up every single time. But if it's just the Apple Watch, they won't unless I wake them up with the phone and then switch to the watch, which is like not supposed to be a step you have to take. Yeah. Um, and it's not happening with my, my, I still haven't like gotten rid of my first AirPods yet. So, um, it, it's not like the software is doing it. It's like this, these, this version of the AirPods is having the software problem. Um, and it's only happening with, with the watch. It's really frustrating. So that, that's, that's continued, uh, to the point where, where one, on one run, I said, I'm, I'm going to take out the Bose, um, sound sport free headphones that I was using for the half marathon runs. And, and I'll use those for this, like for running until like PowerBeats Pro come out or until the software problem gets fixed. Um, and it reaffirmed that those Bose headphones are just not great. <laughs> like the left one, those are truly wireless too, but the left one reliably cuts out a, like certain, like based on geography of like interference, I guess. Um, and it's just like AirPods are good. I wish this problem would get fixed soon because I know it's not going to last forever. Um, but it, it, it reminded me at least that AirPods are really good at connecting. As long as you can connect them at first. Um, <laughs> it's only that out glitch now. Yeah. And it's like one, one time it happened, uh, I was at the gym and it happened. Uh, There's another time I went to the gym this week and I was ready to run and exercise and I had my AirPods case in my pocket, but I forgot to put the pods inside of the case. So I was like, oh, this name is going to either. So I've had a little rocky experience with, with AirPods and, uh, since they came out. I, I hope this gets fixed soon. And I worry that because Powerbeats Pro are like, airpods in a different wrapper in some ways that the problem will apply there too if it's in software and like maybe because of something on the watch and it's weird it doesn't seem like it's a widespread issue like i don't see other people complaining about it including me i don't have any connectivity issues do you connect to the watch without your phone nearby like do you do you go out with your apple watch and not have a phone and just have airpods not often but Mm. i've done it before um, yeah, because I've been I've, I've been tweeting each time it happens to like remind myself about past occurrences and like see if I can get tips on on or if like people other people seem to be having the problem t- in some cases. But I've also seen people say it happens with their first in AirPods too, and so I'm not quite sure that we're all experiencing the same problem <laughs> as each other. But yeah, it's uh, weird. I will try again. I mean, I did it like on Tuesday. I mm-hmm. I was just watching AirPods only and yeah. I was streaming. I was still in my house, but like the phone was like the other side of the house. It wasn't connected. Yeah. And it was, I was, I was streaming. I was doing Apple Music streaming on Wi Fi because I don't have the cellular watch. I was yeah. doing it through like that and it was working all right. But I will like go on like a walk or something and leave my phone at home, just go to the corner shop and try it out because yeah. I, I have not had any problems with connectivity. And you were saying like before how it would take like 10 seconds to connect and stuff. Like mm-hmm. mine is still like instant fast. 
So yeah. yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, so for me, it's had the effect of I will not just take my AirPods in their case and my watch and leave the phone in the car and then like start listening to music when I'm away from the phone. I've got to have everything working before I leave the phone or else I, I can't trust it to, to work. Um, so uh, I hope this gets resolved soon, but I'll keep testing it. And um, if it, if it goes away reliably, then I'll let you know. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and then I also mentioned that the thing with activating Siri with your voice, the, you know, the flagship feature of the, of the new AirPods, um, and how it, it needs to be turned on for all the different devices for it to work with the AirPods. You know, I'm, I'm through with the testing phase now. So I've decided I'll keep it on for the watch as always. So then the feature will work with the watch and I'll turn it on for the iPhone so that it works with the watch because I think AirPods pair to the phone the most for me, um, save for those workouts where I'm not with the phone. Um, but I've decided it's just not worth having it on, on any of the Macs. <laughs> and so I've turned it off there. And the same for the iPad, that it's so rare that I'll have AirPods playing on the Mac and not just use Siri like manually. You yeah, know, yeah. It's not worth the, all the other times that I'm not using AirPods to activate it by accident. So yeah, if, if I had, if I had the same granite as you, where it's on or off only, then yeah. I'd have it off on the Mac, but. Luckily, because I'm on a 2016 MacBook Pro, yeah. I can have it listen for uh, the trigger word only when the AirPods are connected. Only the AirPods so are there, yeah. I win. You do. Uh, and then finally, in, in the fitness corner this week, we've got a new activity challenge uh, coming to the Apple Watch. And, and we're, we're happy with this because there was a period where they, they weren't doing these. They've been back pretty good this year. Um, and what it is, is on Earth Day, yeah, for... 30 minutes, if you exercise outside, you'll unlock the 2019 Earth Day badge. There's also a new giraffe sticker. Um, and this comes by way of Kyle Seth Gray, a uh, friend of the show, who's uh, frequently found these before they're out. And uh, presumably Apple will announce this very soon. And uh, so if you want to collect all of the achievements, um, there's been <laughs> they, they've had this one before. Um, it'll be this year's version, plus the new giraffe sticker. So take It's a shame they're not more adventurous with the medals like the the actual 3d achievement mm-hmm. badges because whenever they do like a yearly one like earth day 2017 2018 2019 they just kind of repeat the same thing and change the number like it yeah. was more exciting when they were doing it for the first time so it'd always be a new design medal, but at but least that... they're not skipping them like they did with the thanksgiving 2018 yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was like a six month span where they did zero of them so yeah. at least at least they're at least doing them again and yeah. they're doing new stickers and stuff like they got a cute giraffe image at the moment so that's cool but yeah, I wish so, they'd do cooler 3D badges again. Yeah, so April 22nd, uh, Earth Day, so it's presumably anywhere on the Earth you can do this if you have an Apple Watch and unlock the achievement. And with that being said, that's the Happy Hour podcast for this week. You can give us feedback uh, by email at happyhour at 9to5mac.com, or you can give us feedback on Twitter or follow us on Twitter. I am at Apollo Zach. Benjamin, you are? B-Z-A-M-A. And we'll be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.